I was talking with Don right before and um, figuring out all the years and stuff like that um, that we've been gone and and laughing about how uh, Jim and I left. Well, I grew up back east and then moved to California when I was 20. And then uh, when I was 40, we moved to Europe. So I felt for certain that um, when I was 60... You know, because God listens to me, uh, that that for sure I had God all figured out and everything works perfectly in different increments of twenty, but um, missed it by five months. And I think you know, uh, as we study Romans, we see like, uh, especially the last couple of chapters, we see what do we think? You know, we think that we know um, the Lord. We think that we have His plans all figured out, and um, we think we know Him perfectly, but. We have to be open to all the surprises that are in his word and um, even the exhortations that he gives to us. So um, let's pray. Father, what a joy it is to, um, to be a child of you. Lord, to be in your presence, to walk with you, to have the privilege that we have to talk with you and to commune with you whenever we want, Lord. We don't have to be in a special place or reach a certain uh, goal in order to have access to our Heavenly Father. We have access with you at all times. Lord, we, uh, as Rachel was saying, we don't, we don't want to just take it for granted. We want to be in awe of who you are. Lord, that you are the God of all creation, that you who made heaven and earth and everything in between loves us. Lord, you call us your children, you call us your daughters, your princesses, Lord. And and what a joy that we can stand in your presence, we can study your word, we can allow your Holy Spirit to speak to us what it is that you want us to learn, what you want to say to us today, Lord. And and so I pray that as we uh, dedicate this time to you, God, help us to relax, Lord, to uh, not be thinking of our grocery lists or what we have to do at work or anything, Lord, but just to spend this time committed to you and spend this time in your presence, that you would feed us, Lord, our daily bread today. In Jesus' name, amen. I almost forgot where I was. (laughs) Uh, So... We're in Romans 10 this morning, and um, I just loved last week when Catherine was teaching us through Romans 9, and um, the importance that it is for us to share our faith with others, and she really exhorted us, and she really encouraged us that we just don't keep it to ourselves, but that we, like Paul, that we would have a burden for the lost, that we would have a burden for those that are around us and share his word. And sometimes maybe we're not in a position where we can actually talk to somebody that we know. Maybe they're far away or maybe they're just like mean or (laughs) something like that. And so, but we can pray for them. And that's a wonderful gift that God has given us as his children is to pray. And don't ever think that, uh, you know, have you heard the phrase a lot like, I can't do anything. Uh, I can just pray. Like prayer is not supposed to have the word just in front of it. You know, I can pray. I desire to pray for them. I desire to uh, put you on my prayer list. I want to pray for you. I'm overjoyed at the, at, at the um, oh, I forget my word, I, at the opportunity 
that I have to be able to pray for somebody. It's not just prayer. And I think that we get so caught up in our, in our terms and our, uh, our, our speech that, that we don't consider prayer as important as it is, but it is. And having a burden for the lost, to want to see people saved. And how often it is that, you know, uh, we get what we want. We have our salvation. We're thrilled that we're going to heaven. And it's easy to walk around the world and look at people and say, you know, not give a second thought about them. And not to have a burden inside of us, a yearning inside of us that, you know what? Read, read Revelation 20. What is going to happen in the end? Read that account and be reminded of what it is for the world who is going to die without Jesus. And then ask the Lord to give you a burden. If you don't have it, it's hard. Sometimes, you know, we look around our world and and we're just like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm glad I'm not them. I don't want to be them. I don't want anything to, uh, to do with them. But God wants us to have a burden for the lost. Because if we're his children, if we read his word, the whole object is to be like him. And do you think he walks around or he looks around and says, the heck with them? No. He has a heart. He tells us that, and Catherine reminded us that in 2 Peter 3, 9. That Jesus desires that all would be saved. All. No matter what kind of background they have, no matter what country they live in, all would be saved. And that none would perish. And that should be our heart, too. And I pray it would be our heart. So let's open to Romans 10. Just going to read right now, uh, 1 through 13. And Paul starts out, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I, I bear with them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness to which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. What a beautiful word. What beautiful verses that we can read. And it's not to uh, downplay it, but the simplicity you know, we try so, so hard, we, we want to complicate God's word. But when we actually read it, and we allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us what it's saying, it really is simple. Yes, you can get deep, and there's scholars, and there's all these writers that write of these things that, you know, uh, 
I, I just like, I was blind, but now I see. That's the simplicity of the gospel. And yes, we can expound. Yes, we're to grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord. But it doesn't have to be so difficult. And that's what Paul He wants to go back to his Jewish brothers and share that point with them. He shares his heart again in Romans 10 about the yearning he has to go back where he came from. You know, God doesn't always call us back to where we come from, but he's calling Paul to go back there. Go back and tell your brothers, these Pharisees, about the freedom that there is, about what they're missing out on as they study. Paul was a Pharisee, and he would tell everybody that he was the Pharisee of all Pharisees. He he was good. If there was a a scale or if you have like the the top of the line kids in the high school, uh, they get an award. Paul would probably have received an award for his Pharisee ways. But these Pharisees, they loved rules. They loved rules. And some of us we like rules. I'm a very rule-oriented person myself. I like boxes. I like uh, ticks, you know, and they have the little uh, uh, box, and here's what you're supposed to do. And I am the type of person that loves lists. I love uh, rules. I don't like to follow them always, but I do like this basic outline of what I'm supposed to do because... You know, sometimes I think it's easier to live by rules than it is by faith. Because faith causes us to seek the Lord. Faith causes us to pray to the Lord, to ask the Lord, to seek him in what we're doing and why we're doing it. Rules just gives us something to be proud of. It gives us something to boast of. It gives us something at the end of the day. We can look uh, on the refrigerator or we look on our phones and our pads and stuff and we can see, wow, awesome, I did that. And we can be proud of ourselves. We get little gold stars or some. I don't know if they still do that in the schools anymore. But, you know, how they get the the stars. And there's nothing you want more than to present that paper with the star on it when you go home to mom and dad. And as Christians, I think that sometimes we want to do that to God. Look it. I, I got up early this morning and I did my devotions. And not only that, but I even prayed. Not only that, I made the kids breakfast. I didn't give them a Pop-Tart or something, you know? We have this list. And yes, I smiled. Oh, I gave my parking spot up. I did this, I did that. And life as a Christian woman becomes a list of ticks. That at the end of the day, when you close your head, your, not your head, but your eyes, and you, and you rest your head on your pillow, and you can think, wow, I did really good today. And that is the picture I get with these Pharisees. They were so much about rules. They studied, the, they studied the laws. They studied the scripture. But remember, in the Old Testament, how many commandments did God give to Moses? Ten. Ten commandments. And that's hard enough, right? That's hard enough to go through the commandments not to lie, not to steal, not to covet other people, what other people have. That's a really hard one. But these Pharisees, they weren't happy with 10. And over time, they had over 600 rules and commandments that they wanted people to follow, to show how holy they were, to show how good they were. I could never, I mean, it's hard enough, like we say, to keep up with 10. But 
it wasn't just for them, again. It wasn't just about them proving to themselves how obedient they could be. They wanted other people in the town, you know, as they strutted around the town in their robes and stuff and, and prayed out loud and did all this and that. They wanted other people to notice them. It, for the Pharisees, it wasn't about pointing people to Jesus, showing them that Jesus is there for each and every one of you. It was like a secret club, I would imagine, you know? And it was all about pointing to them and how good they were rather than pointing to God and God's love and God's grace and God's mercy. And again, how easy it is for us to fall into that trap at times. You know, we come to church and we have our own little club and we have our own little this and that. But is God calling us to step out? You know, uh, I think Shelly's going to talk about it later, and Rachel talked about it on, uh, or Roxanne, I can't remember which one it was, uh, Monday, you know, the Good News Club, and, and these things where God is calling us to go out, go out of your little sphere. This isn't all about just us here. It's fun. It's great to gather together as a family, and we need to. We have to if we're going to be sustained in our walk with the Lord and and have encouragement with each other. But we need to ask him, where else do you want me to go? My neighbors, my colleagues, you know, to the grocery store, to my kids' school. Who else is God calling us to share his word with and his love with? We don't belong to a special little club. Church is not a club. Church is to equip us, right? Pastor Rob is equipping us to go out and do the work of the ministry. We don't want to be like these Pharisees. We just don't want to come here on Wednesday night, uh, Monday, Thursday, whatever it is, and just gather it all up in here and then think how good, you know, we are. He wants us to take what we've been taught and do the work of the ministry wherever he calls us to do it. Matthew fifteen nineteen. this is what Jesus said, in vain they worship me. He's talking about the Pharisees here. They're teaching doctrines as though they're as the commandments of men. They're twisting God's word up. They're taking the simplicity of salvation. They're taking the simplicity of what God came to do, what he sent his son to do. And they're making it something that it's not. They're putting all this pressure on people to follow rules, to do this, to not do that. Who's going to want to do that? Only rule followers, I think, not the average person. We see the same thing today. We see that people are making a very good and a very sincere attempt to be good enough for God, to show God how important they are. And instead of allowing God to speak to them, they get wrapped up in religion. They get wrapped up in rules and everything that has to do about being good. And again, going back to um, being able to tick off the little boxes on our list of things, they talk about it. They talk about, you know, a list. They talk about, you know, uh, and I'm sure maybe you've said it in your past, depending on your past, uh, but people still say it today. If you ask them about heaven, you know, well, as long as the the good side is longer than the bad side, then I'm probably going to go to heaven. That's not, I don't find that anywhere in the word. Do you? It's not in there. That's not what Jesus said. It's not, we need to, this is why we need to come to church. This is why we need to be taught the word of God. 
why we need to listen to the Holy Spirit. Because otherwise, we start listening to things that people make it sound like it's the Word of God, but it's not. Study. Study to show yourself approved. This is what God is telling us. Don't just listen to the man on the street or, you know, someplace else and think that this is what God is telling you about salvation, about being a part of his kingdom. No, we need to go back and study his word. And every good pastor I know, Pastor Rob, my husband, other people, this is what they encourage their flock to do. Yes, come. You need to come. You need to listen. You need to learn. But then go ahead and study it. You know, like with the home fellowship, we go, we listen to the word, and then, and then we all talk about it so that we can grow in it together again. They're in vain. We don't want to listen to those who are in vain, just trying to prop themselves up. <clears throat> Somewhere along the line, it not, it, God was out of the picture There was no longer really and truly about a relationship with God. It wasn't about God and his attributes to the Pharisees. It became about what about man and what man could do and what man couldn't do. And this was Paul's life. Paul as a Pharisee excelled in this. And I can't imagine when you live with all these rules, you know, do you have joy? I think you're just so consumed. What did I did I do that today? Did I did I pray enough? Did I you know uh, talk to three people about? I mean, it, when it becomes about rules, when it becomes about uh, having this burden to please yourself and to please man, it's no longer about pleasing God. And so, if it's not about pleasing God, then it's really no good, and there's no joy. There's no joy in us trying to strive in the wrong things and trying to strive to do what we really can't do, what God doesn't expect us to do. He doesn't expect us to be perfect. That's why he sent Jesus. And then the beautiful story here is if we remember back in Acts 9. Here was Paul on his way as a good Pharisee and a good Pharisee who's reading the scriptures and what are they doing? They're going to persecute Christians. I mean, how wacky is that? It just doesn't make any sense. If you're learning about God and these people are Christ followers, but you're going to go persecute them because they're not living the life, the, the Christian life the proper way. Something is wrong there. But we see the power of God. And I remember years and years ago, you know, what it was, however long it was, when we were studying Acts here in Women's Study. And I I like to tell this story because um, I lived it. And when we studied Acts 9, Denise was actually teaching it. And she was saying that uh, whoever it is in your circle that you think could never get saved... Put their name up, you know, right above the beginning of Acts 9. And pray for them. Because so many people, we think it's impossible. Oh my gosh, they're so far gone. There's no way that God's going to ever save them. There's no way that they're ever going to humble themselves and come to the Lord. But we are reminded of, it's not about man, is it? It's about the Holy Spirit. It's about Jesus. And here Jesus meets Paul right on that road. 
And what happens? Paul gets blinded. And he, and sometimes I like that. You know, sometimes I'm like, oh, I wish they would just get blind. I wish, you know, something, something would happen. And then they would see that Jesus is the only way. But that's not going to happen with everybody. But still, we need to pray because it happened with Paul. Paul had an encounter with Jesus that changed his life changed his name, changed the history of the gospel. I mean, think of how many gospels we have because Paul allowed the Holy Spirit to speak to him. Somewhere as prideful as he was, as caught up in religion and rules as Paul was, there was something still inside that he allowed the Holy Spirit to just grab a hold of his life and change the course of Christianity to teach us all these years later we have these words of Paul and it was no longer to Paul about what Paul could do it was no longer about sitting for hours in a classroom and listening to whatever they were listening to about how to be holy and how to be good and how to please God It became about Jesus, and that is what it always comes down to. It's about Jesus. It's not about all this other stuff that people are so bound up in. And when that happens, just like with Paul, he had this great yearning. He couldn't wait, probably, to just like fling open the doors of the synagogue and say, guys, guys, guess what? It's all wrong. And can you imagine some of these stern, like, I don't know, when you see the movies about Jesus and they're all like, you know, really mean looking and they have beards that just grow down and stuff like that. And and I can just imagine Paul like flinging open the doors and just wanting to rush up there and, and just start talking and just start telling them what happened to him, how he was converted, how he saw Jesus, what Jesus did. And you would think, right, that if you knew Paul and you knew how stern he was, you knew how, like, good he was at being a Pharisee, then you would think, uh, oh my gosh, this is Paul and now this is what he found? Yes, I want that too because I'm sick and tired of being, like, chained up and and, and roped up in, in this kind of thinking. I want that freedom. And I'm sure there was an expression that wasn't there on Paul's face before because when we have an encounter with Jesus, everything about us changes. Our face is no longer, you know, of course we have bouts of those times, but, you know, there's a joy. There's a joy about us that should be in, in our expression that's not forced but there's that joy and then there's that peace that comes from knowing Jesus, from having a personal relationship with him. And he just wanted to share that. And have you been there when you came to know Jesus and you just wanted to burst down the doors of your house and, and tell your spouse or tell your kids or tell your parents, tell your colleagues, and they just look at you like a stone face. Like, what are you talking about? Are you on drugs? Are you sick? Are you, you know, something like that. And I remember, you know, my husband, uh, even though we we have his father's last name, but he's 100% Sicilian on his mother's side, which is a whole other story. But (laughs) if you know know Sicilians, you know what I mean. But anyway, um, you know, he got saved. And he he was brought up in a very traditional, very uh, Italian religious family, and he couldn't wait to get home and and to share this great news with his family. And his father actually told him, I'd rather you be on drugs. 
And this is a, a man who went to church. This is a man who had a Bible on his table. But see, there's something about Jesus that's threatening to people. There's something, and, and, and I don't understand it. I don't understand why people would rather live like this than live like this. But they do, and that's what we're up against now. We're up against like this big fight. This big fight in our world against Christians and people who don't have a problem if you believe in God. You can say God's name all day long. And I don't mean in the cussing way. I mean, you can say, oh, I believe in God. And we experienced that in Italy with our, um, we had the Bible college there. And the kids would come down sometimes to Padova and talk to the university students. And, you know, oh, yeah, I believe in God, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, yeah, we go to church. Oh, yeah. But they mentioned the name of Jesus. And all of a sudden, oh, we have to go. And it's just so strange to me because they believe in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But what is it about the name of Jesus that causes people to just want you to back off? I honestly don't know. After all the years of being a Christian, after the years of sharing the gospel, I don't know what it is about his name that is such a threat. Of course, we know, you know, Satan doesn't, would love to do the opposite of what God does. He doesn't want to see people get saved. But it's just so sad. And Paul yearned in his heart to see his brethren be saved. He yearned in his heart. Do we yearn in our heart? to see our colleagues be saved, to see our loved ones be saved, to see our neighbors be saved. Paul's desire was to see them set free, to no longer live in bondage, to no longer make it about the rules and regulations, but to have it be all about Jesus. And when we moved to Italy, I thought, you know, it's going to be quite easy to minister to the people there. Hungary was, you know, hungry... Looking back on it, it was way easier than Italy because Hungary was a little bit of everything. You know, you had the Reformation uh, there, you had Catholicism, you had Christianity. It was hard, but I wouldn't say it was as hard looking back. But then when I knew we were moving to Italy, it was like, oh my gosh, what a joy this is going to be. And we have, you know, pretty much the same Bible. We believe, you know... They have the Pope there, so <laughs> they have some kind of a knowledge of God, right? And um, what, what opposite it was. It was so hard, so, so hard to reach people because they thought they already knew it. You don't need to, you know, we wouldn't even dare say, like, oh, we're missionaries because they would laugh in your face. We don't need missionaries in Italy. <laughs> we're already Christian, and it's easy for them to throw around that word Christian. But it wasn't really Christian. As we know, it wasn't Christ-like. It was religion. It was rules. It was rituals and sacraments and all those types of things. But the people who are bound up in tradition, bound up in making sure that they're more obedient to the church and its rules than they are obedient to the word of God and what he has to say. And it's sad. It's really sad. And we need to have a burden for these people. We need to 
ask the Lord, how can, how can we share Christ with them? And, you know, it got to the point where I, I just talked to them. Okay, you say you're a Christian? Fine. I'm going to talk to you like you're a Christian. And talk about, you know, the things of God's word. And, and incorporate that into our conversation. Or when they're feeling bad, oh, do you mind if I pray for you? They're not used to, like, a regular person <laughs> praying for them. Or even having uh, the ability to pray for them. And nine times out of ten, you're not going to find somebody that says, no, please, I don't want your prayers. Even if they say it reluctantly. Yes, all right, whatever, because they can't get out <laughs> get out of it. They'll allow you to pray for them most of the time. And so ask the Lord for those opportunities, too, that, that you can pray for people. You know, not some long, long prayer that's filled with words they won't understand, but just spirit-led prayers for them. Reach their heart. Allow the Holy Spirit to reach their heart. And we have all these people that they think that what they do is going to please God. They think that um, that is what is going to get them to heaven. And it's not. And um, trying to prove to the Lord that they're worthy, trying to prove to the Lord that What they've done on earth is good enough to get them to spend eternity with him. But they have no clue. They honestly have no clue about the rapture. They have no clue about the Holy Spirit being alive in them. And that's what I thought, you know, that here, just tell them the rest of the story. Because many of them have the cross, you know. and, 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 And I would just say, never make fun of somebody that wears jewelry with Jesus on the cross. I hear so many people making fun of that. It's like, you know what? We forget as Christians, Jesus did die on the cross. Rather than making fun of people for it, use it as a tool for evangelism. Use it to tell them the rest of the story. To tell the rest of the story. Guess what happened? He's no longer on the cross. You can have a life, a victorious life now. Because Jesus rose from the dead. And what does that mean for you? You can share that with them. Rather than them just trying. I I mean, it's just frustrating at times. And I was sharing on Monday night how we went to uh, where there was an earthquake. The first year that we moved there, there was a horrific earthquake. And we went down there to help out for a week. And um, Jim and uh, another pastor, Craig, He's in Calvary Chapel, Montebelluna. And they were talking with the priest, you know, because obviously you have to have the priest there. And um, they were talking to this young priest and had a great conversation. And all of a sudden, Jim asked him, like, okay, so when you die, do you know that you're going to go to heaven or not? Well, no, I would hope so. And how frustrating that is. You know, how angering it can be to our hearts to hear somebody who is supposed to be in charge of speaking before a congregation, who is supposed to be teaching the word of God and not even assured of his salvation. And so we need to have that burden like Paul. We need to ask the Lord for opportunities to share his word to people that are just trying so hard in their own flesh, in their, in their own ways, to prove to God that they're good enough. Um, when I was little, I, I told you I, I grew up back east and, um, you know, didn't have a very good life for a while. And so I got taken away from my family when I was five. And, uh, well, not my family, but my mother. Uh, and, um, 
and then my brother and me, we were separated. And uh, he went to the boys' orphanage, I went to the girls' orphanage. And if you've ever been in one, then you know what happens. You know, you're always waiting and waiting, uh, like Anna Green Gables. You know, you're waiting for somebody to come in and maybe pick you to to go and be a part of their family. And even at five, you're taught, we are taught by the nuns that when you go to this family, you have to be on your best behavior, you have to, you know, be kind and smile, blah, 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 to show them that you're uh, good enough to be a part of this family. And there was a few times where, <clears throat> obviously, I wasn't good enough, and <clears throat> you have to pack up your bags. <clears throat> Excuse me. You have to pack up your bag and... Um, wait for the social worker's car. And if you have been to enough families, then when you see that car, it's horrifying. It's horrifying uh, at any age, but especially little, to already be putting on that practice of trying to please people, trying to show people that you're good enough to be a part of the family. And... um, we carry that sometimes. You know, I know for a long time, even though I became a Christian, I carried a lot of that attitude. And I still do. I have to admit it. I still am a people pleaser. I still try to prove to people that I'm worthy of your friendship. I'm worthy of this job. I'm worthy of this position in ministry. I'm worthy. You know, try to please. And we want to do that with the Lord. And, and, and again, we just get so caught up in trying to show God that we're so good. I'm so good, Lord, and I am going to do my best to show you that you didn't make a mistake and that I am allowed to be in the family. And even when I got saved, you know, I went to Horizon and um, always raised my hand every time there was an altar call, you know, because I didn't understand that salvation, Jesus died once for all. To me, it was like, if you were good that week, you're in God's uh, book of life. If you were bad, then he would erase your name out and wait for you to make it up to him. But that isn't our loving God. And sometimes, you know, we have to, as as we minister to people and as we have a burden to share with them, ask the Lord, what do they need to hear? There are so many scriptures in God's word, but there's certain scriptures that certain people need to hear that is going to touch their heart. And if you think back when the first person or the second or the third or the fourth who ministered to you, what was it that the Holy Spirit tugged on your heart to make you just say, wow, I needed to hear that. Wow, I never knew I was loved. I never knew I could be loved. I grew up real, thinking I could never be loved. There's something wrong. So ask the Lord. As he puts a burden on your heart for other people around you, ask him not only for the burden to share the gospel with them, but what particular word he might have for you to share with them. Because it's not about his rules. It's not about man-made rules. It's about God. It's about Jesus. It's about what he's done. It's about his forgiveness. And to realize, as we had read, that what is so difficult about this, that we just need to confess Jesus with our mouth. Confess Jesus with our mouth. Believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead. That's what we start with. And allow God to grow us in that truth. It's not tricky. There's no secret formula to salvation. It's believing and confessing. 
And this is the message that God wants us to share with all of those who would be ready to listen to us. That it's not about religion. It's not about rules. It's not about ticking boxes. It's about following after Jesus. Learning who Jesus is. Not learning who man is and what man is telling us to do. But what is Jesus saying to us? This is the message all around that Paul wanted to share. This is the message that God wants us to share. And he says that, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the word of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Your feet are beautiful to Jesus. Not many of us look at our feet and say, Wow, these are awesome. (laughs) Especially as you get older. I don't know. My feet have gotten really strange as the older I get. But Jesus looks at our feet and he says, They're beautiful. Why? Is there something lovely about feet? No, but those feet are moving. Those feet are going forward. Those feet are going to somebody who is hurting, going to somebody who needs to hear the gospel, going to hear the good news of Jesus and his salvation. And it doesn't mean traveling. God's not calling everybody to travel. He's not calling people to get on a plane. Though I wish we could now. (laughs) I really do miss traveling. But... You can travel right to your car. You travel to the supermarket. You travel into the Sunday school classes. You travel in your kitchen, in your children's bedroom, to the nursing home. Wherever it is that God wants your feet to go, go. And rest assured that he considers those feet to be lovely, to be beautiful. And Paul ends reminding us that not everybody is going to believe what we have to say. We're going we're gonna to face being persecuted at times. We're going to face rejection. But we're not better than our master. And he was rejected. He was persecuted. But it didn't stop him. Paul was thrown in jail. Paul was beaten. Paul went through a lot of things. And he said sometimes he, he, he'd rather be in heaven with the Lord than be down here on this earth. But man's salvation was so important to him. And that's the burden that Paul wants each of us to have. That's the burden that Jesus wants us to have. To remember, there's hurting people. There's bound up people. There's people in chains of tradition and rituals. There's people all walks of life out there. There's children. Some kids just need to be touched. They need to be loved. They need to be told how much you love them, how much Jesus loves them. And so let's ask him to show us, to point us, to get rid of our own um, prejudices and go where he wants us to go, to share with those that he wants us to share with, whether we like them or not, whether they meet our you know, description of who's worthy to be saved because we're not the judges. We make ourselves judges sometimes. I did. I always had a group of people in Italy that I, I didn't like them at all. If they, I went on the tram or the bus or the train with them, I, I actually give them a dirty look because I didn't like them, I didn't trust them. And then God started bringing them into my life one by one by one and be able to share. They didn't get saved. But you know, they'll always remember that blonde girl, <laughs> that crazy blonde girl from California that moved, moved to Europe. 
And they'll remember, because God says he promised that his word never returns void. So don't be afraid. Don't do it in your own power. Don't do it in your own strength. Do it in his strength, his power, and most of all, in his love. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, how thankful we are for your word. We're thankful for your love, God, and how vast it is. Lord, we don't even understand it sometimes. We look at ourselves, we look at our own lives, we look at our failures and our mistakes, and we think, how could you love us so? But you do. And Lord, that love that we so freely accept from you, may we be willing, may we be yearning and desiring to give it to other people. Lord, bring to our remembrance those that you want us to share the gospel with. Lord, open our eyes and our hearts as we're driving in our cars, as we're walking in the stores, as we're sitting at our desk at work. Lord, maybe we can't say things, but we can pray. Lord, you are the worker. You are the one who changes and transforms hearts, Lord, not us. But we want to be your vessels. Lord, we want to be your mouthpiece. We want to be your examples, these living epistles that you've called us to be. Burden us, Lord. Put that yearning, a strong, strong yearning in our hearts to share your word, to speak your truth. Lord, to set the captives free, to unbound those who are bound by their own thoughts and their own traditions, Lord. We pray, Lord, that in our city of Vista, God, that you would do a great revival, that we could be a part of it, Lord. Help us to be sensitive to your Holy Spirit. Open our eyes and our hearts, Lord, to hear from you and to share your good news with those around us. In Jesus' name, amen.